Hello, my name is David Turner and this is another Luna Poetry Short. And today I'm joined by Dan Cockrell and Rob Orman. Hello. Hello there, Dan. Hello. We're both from Bang Said the Gun. Um, we're going to start with a bit of background about Bang. And since Dan is a co-founder, along with Martin Galton, we're going to let him have that honour. So it was the late 90s, I suppose, when I started to do my first poetry gigs I think my first poetry gig was in 95 in Brighton and Martin saw me do a, a gig down in a cave in Brighton and he decided, oh, he wants to do that as well. So we thought we'd set up a night, really. Um, but the nights we were going to during that time were didn't really suit what we were doing. Um, so we were getting a bit frustrated. So the, the night we proposed to set up was a, a night that sort of smashed poetry and entertainment together mm. but it took a long while in coming because it, it I think the first gigs were in 97 98 that original lineup were they based in pubs were they? in pubs above pubs London pubs so we did the wheat sheaf uh, just off Tottenham Court Road we did was you you wasn't in there I can't remember um, there was a few other pubs but we kept oh the old coffee house in Soho we were there but we kept getting chucked out or there's problems with the management who didn't want poetry night and, we, and no one came literally no one came we, we'd have like five performers and two people sitting in the yeah, yeah. so it was pretty frustrating uh, so it, it was on and off on and off and then I, I suppose uh, 2008 uh, yeah. all that time up, we we found the Roebuck upstairs okay. at the Roebuck and um, it was the first time the manager had said yeah go and do what you want to do up there Whereas before there was things where we couldn't move chairs or we couldn't do this, and he, he gave us a free reign. But even those early days, I, I can't remember when you came on board, Rob, but uh, was you at the start? We were doing stuff at the road. Once yeah. again, no one came really. We just had, yeah. you know, we were, I remember one time there was a football tournament on, yeah. and there was two people in the audience, and the, the chef said we could hear the radio or the TV <laughs> in, the, in the kitchen with the football on. And one of the members of the audience got up and went into the kitchen to watch the football. Well, and I just thought, this is it, man. This is the end. Yeah. This is bleak. <laughs> yeah. Was it, what do you think, that, was that just a, a lack of understanding of what poetry gigs could be in general? Or was it just people didn't understand quite what you were trying to do? People just didn't, I don't, I don't know. I think, if you say to the vast majority of people, the general public, do you want to come to a poetry night, they will say, no. Um, so I'm not speaking for Dan Martin but I can only imagine their thing was let's make a poetry night that the general public would want to come to because it's entertaining and it's not I think crap. what we got frustrated with we'd be in a poetry gig and it'd be full of poets rustling papers waiting to go on stage and uh, we wanted to get away from that so to give it a bit of context what were most poetry gigs like in the mid 90s when you were first Thinking that you needed to set something else up. They were in a in a um, a room where the lighting was bright, um, you know, strict lighting. Uh, there was nothing set up on stage. There was no mics. Um, the the chairs were just laid out in lines. Um, everybody knew each other in the gig because they would be coming. You know, it was like their little community thing, and yeah, we. 
I, I love poetry. I love poetry. And, and I'd go to these things and I'd want to leave within half an hour. So that was the point. And it, it, there is a place for those, those, you know, they're not bad in, in what they do. It's just that I didn't want to, I didn't want to be there. Yeah. So that was the reason for us doing something else, really. There are two particular phrases that spring to mind when I think about fame, and they're two that appear on your posters a lot. Um, and the first is poetry, not ponce, and the second is poetry for people that hate poetry. And I just wondered if you could both maybe say a bit about what those phrases mean to each of you. Um, well, I've always been kind of at odds with the phrase of poet and poetry, and I've never ever called myself a poet or anything like that. I think uh, for me it was just I was working with Martin in an advertising company and was finding it very difficult and started filling up a notebook with writing that that had an idea at their core and Martin, I said, Martin said, oh, I'm starting a poetry night and I said, oh, I've got some writing that I could read out, you know. Um, and then, so it's always just been writing. So I think poetry, not puns, is kind of... I find it very difficult when when sometimes you go to a night and people might say oh that's not that's not poetry I don't think anyone should say to someone else whether something's poetry or not yeah but these phrases that kind of appear on your posters were they sort of the, the, the original ideas behind bang in general they come from Martin. Martin's the, yeah, yeah, Martin's yeah, yeah, the yeah. guy behind those who he would. He's brilliant at. Uh, it, he we knew we had to brand the night. Yeah. That's what we did different from most poetry nights that were going on at the time. We we branded it. We put yeah. a little picture. So people, as soon as they saw the poster, they recognised it was our night. No one had really done that before. Um, and Martin, Martin he's, that's his great skill. He's worked in advertising all his life, so he understood. Oh, we're gonna. This is how we do it. And so he came up with the phrases. We spoke about what it was. It was like, oh, it's a poetry night for people who don't like poetry, and that's it. Like that's his. Fr- he got it out there. Yeah. And poetry, not ponce. It was like, oh, it's not academic. Yeah. It is. It's in keeping with what the beat poets were doing. Or it's. It, you don't have to study it. You don't have to have a degree to come yeah. to our night to mm-hmm. get it. Who were some of the first poets you were booking for the night? <clears throat> we struggled to get anyone, really. Yeah. But the first poet that turned it around, and we were once a month, six. so we went, we've been once a week six years. But we were in 2000, and so we started that in 2009-10. But we were once a month before that. And the first poet that came down, and we persuaded, because we had no money, and so we persuaded Elvis McGonagall to come. Yeah. And he blew. It was the first one where the roof came off the night, and it was it was full up. Um, the energy mm. in the room was incredible, and he was on stage going, "This is what a poetry gig's yeah. supposed to be like." So he loved it. The audience loved it. And all of a sudden, after all those nights of no one turning up, we I thought this is getting close to what we imagined it would. Be. It's never reached where me and Rob and Martin have spoken about where we'd want it, but it. At that night, that was the first time it kind of, well, I thought, yeah, yeah, this is it. And then it, all of a sudden, it, he went straight from that gig to Norwich to do a, do a gig, and he was on the bill with John Osborne and Luke Wright, and, and he just said, oh, this is a good gig. So all of a sudden, people wanted to come. Yeah. But before that, we we couldn't get anyone. Um, <laughs> they didn't yeah. want to come. Why do, why do you two think that Bang remains uh, probably the only regular night in London that encourages the audience to have a good time? And... 
because it's still really different, doesn't it? A lot of around the country, though, that's not okay. It's been copied. No, yeah. around, but in, I think in, I'm not sure actually. I think the energy of those early gigs, Boomerang have got it, and uh, Boxed In have got. I think there are yeah. gigs around that have this. Uh, you know, they've got that uh, that energy that we started to have in those early days. But I, I don't know if there's any um, spoken words taken over. Yeah. Yeah. And we're to blame for that a bit as well, but it's a bit, it's getting swamped, you know, the scene swamped with it now, really. It's a bit like, well, we were in the, we were about variety. You know, you could stick a paper bag over your head and say a poem, or you could go, or Andrew Motion could come up yeah. and read the poem. So we was about variety. That variety, yeah, that's lacking, I, I would I do, say. I do agree that a lot of nights similarly try and be energetic and not stale like a lot of other poetry nights. But I don't think <coughs> many nights are as proactive as Bang as try, uh, we're trying to get the audience to have a good time as well. Yeah. And I think that's a re- really big difference. Okay, that's down to Rob, really. Go on, you say what happened. I, I, I know what happened, but you say the, what you think. The, uh, I think it's a bit like music gigs, isn't it? I just know that my favourite music gigs are when you're dancing and everyone, the audience and the... Uh, performers are in it together and like the Flaming Lips are a massive example that's what that, it came I remember it? one night we were, we were at Bang and we were just speaking about Flaming Lips gig mm. which me and Rob loved and we were like oh we should make it like a Flaming Lips gig or try to with, with no budget yeah. and that was the yeah the so thing really their we, gigs are, it's just the most inclusive thing ever so with all the massive balloons and not that we have balloons at Bang but um, there's it's just when it's 50-50 between the audience and the performers and trying to make a thing together that exists only in that n- one night, you know, so people can go away from it and think, oh, yeah, we were part of that. Not like I had someone reading at me for 20 minutes yeah. and I've, I've been sat here for an hour and a half now and, like, I've... It's like... we You didn't have... You make the audience work in a different way. So if I go to a, uh, an academic gig, I have the work to take out of it. Yeah. what I want whereas we were, make, we were making the audience work in a different way so like you're part of the show so when they meet us halfway that's when it really yeah. happens we're not putting the emphasis all on the on the performers to go like you've got to do a blinding gig otherwise this isn't going to work we could you could have all there's been nights when you can have all the performers really hit a bum note but it's still one, a brilliant night because all the glue yeah. um, works yeah and, and that's do, important, yeah. Having, I mean, the shake, making this shakers like milk cartons full of chickpeas is quite a simple thing for people to shake, yeah. you know. That people have a, like a rattle instead of applauding. And that, can, that seemed to make, I mean, we did a gig at uh, the Bull and Gate, was it, in Kentish Town? Yeah, yeah. And it was like, um, oh, Bang is doing the Bull and Gate in Kentish Town and uh, it's a massive room. And uh, there was, yeah, there was five of us putting the night on and then there was two audience members. Mm. But we still did it. And because two of those, the two audience members had two shakers each, it sounded like there was a lot more people in the room. And those two people were having a great time. So that is kind of, I mean, some of the solo gigs I've done, like there's been two people there, but as long as you go and give it 100 percent then yeah I was talking to um, James Harris and Dan Simpson last night they were both I mean, Dan's a poet as well but both were involved with stand up comedy and they were talking about how um, silence can be 
uh, really contagious in an audience, you know. And if you get, you know, you only need five or six people in an audience to not laugh, and that will spread. Yeah. And in normal poetry <laughs> settings, if you've got too much light, people feel very vulnerable and very exposed. Yeah. And I've always felt like when it comes to bang, there's an anonymity behind the shaking, behind the rattling, mm. because there's so much noise. People aren't embarrassed to laugh. You know, people aren't embarrassed about being the first one to laugh or the first one to cheer. Yeah. Because there's always there's already so much. You know, you're all being you're all embarrassing yourselves as the host. You know. And it's, mm. We train like we did a, a the amazing thing we did was train the audience to listen really well yeah. and be loud at the right moments and that was you can sense when more than half the audience are new because you're almost yeah you ha- it takes five or ten minutes to get them yeah. in line you know to say oh look, this is how you do it and they get it and then they they take and the, but it was the point of it being intimate it was about being a the best house party that you've ever yeah, been to. Yeah, was like, so you come party, up the yeah. stairs, you know, yes, yes. and you feel, come in, mm. have a drink. It was about uh, making everyone feel welcome, whoever yeah. you are, you know, make welcome at the door, give them glow sticks. So this they didn't, the so they didn't party, come yeah. in thinking, oh, what, what am I supposed yeah. to do? It's yeah. like, yeah, you can do what you want. Yeah. Is it sometimes hard to encourage people that would consider themselves purely page poets to come and read? Do, do, are, some, are people a bit... Um, intimidated by the audience yeah because they don't know what to expect yeah. but I think when they come and do it yeah. they love it so you know we also those people have to have a big personality so I think when Andrew Motion did the thing about it, he's a really good performer mm. so if you've got a page poet who isn't such a good performer to do it then maybe that would be more yeah difficult but I mean, he's very engaging really, so I thought Helen Mort did a great job the yeah. last time she read because she came on after some uh, yeah really, like, really funny people you know and obviously yeah. worked a lot on the comedic side of their their yeah. set as well but she came on yeah and, and I and she would she would have been you know she, she's a great performer mm-hmm. as well I think are there any have we had any straight straight I mean po, you know page poets who you think, think so. who would need a lectern to read from I don't know no I think I though once you step on stage you're a performer whether you're yeah. a page poet or whatever and it wouldn't matter on our stage that's a thing you could be no, your I, first gig, or your, yeah, I don't your, think anyone yeah. would be left to flounder on the stage. I just yeah. mean that, that it might just be intimidating to take the step up onto the stage. If I if, think Roger McGough was really nervous was it, yeah. when he came, he was super nervous yeah. about it because there's that expectation, which you know people people who haven't even been to the gig think it's something else. So Bangs had a bit of a break. Was it October last year? Last I don't know. It was summer, wasn't it? Was summer, wasn't it? Yeah. Break at the summer. Was it May? Was it? Oh no, sorry. You I stopped, didn't. Was, you stopped before Edinburgh. We stopped before Edinburgh. Yeah, and we didn't. Yeah. We were supposed to come back in September. And we right, didn't. Yeah. We we. So we were supposed that, that to come was, back. Yeah. We were supposed to come back in in uh, September. Then it got moved back to January. So, yeah. yeah. And so you'll no longer be at the Roebuck. You're moving to Bloomsbury Theatre now, and that starts on the twenty eighth of January, and it's going to be once a month now, is it? Instead once a of month instead weekly. of weekly. So. I suppose why, first of all, why have you moved to a theatre space? Maybe explain the physical space that you're going to be occupying at the, at the mm. Bloomsbury as well. Whether it... It's in the studio. It's at in the, the studio moment. rather than a... Because yeah. the main space is not available at the yeah. moment because of all the roof problems. Yeah, they've got um, asbestos. But we've got the main space in October. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But we're in the, we are in the studio space. Which is how many seats? 70 seats. Yeah. Intimate little room, mm. which suits us. But there's like there are there's a lot of lights, and there's a 
there's going to be a technician that we've never okay. we've never had that before. I've always there's been <coughs> one spotlight, and you know whether that makes it better. I don't know, but it means that we can have like strobe lighting and stuff. Does strobe lighting make poetry better? I don't well, yeah, know. It makes it much better. I don't know. Yeah, it's like. I think that the reasons we moved. There's many reasons why we've moved, but Bang. I don't think Bang was going to continue to exist if we'd stayed above the pub, mm. because everyone knows. If anyone who's put on one gig knows the effort it takes to put that one gig on, we were doing it once a week, and so to book the acts, to set up our room, which is a lot of setup and a lot of takedown. You know, so the the gig, even though the gig was two hours, it's a four. You know, it's an hour set up, hour breakdown, yeah. two hour gig, a day to book all the acts for that month. We suddenly be, we'd grown up. We'd suddenly got really busy. You know, I had kids. Martin was working really hard. You were getting on with your solo work. We it just became impossible to to keep that level of anarchy above a pub without. We were doing all the press ourselves. And we looked around, didn't we, to see if we could get help. And you came up with the answer, really. Avalon came in, didn't they? Yeah. To represent us. Oh, okay. And they could do the press. They could get us the gig. They gave us a tech team. So all the things that we were struggling with at the admin were taken off our hands. So that was one of the main reasons for moving. Yeah. But also, you know, things like Rob was doing all the music and the sound and, and all that, that made it really personal and brilliant because it, all the mistakes and especially when I was doing it with Rob, we, we got a great understanding of when things were coming in and out. So the show got really tight. It just, in the end, you, what I always said to Rob and Rob always said to me was like, I wish I was in the audience watching this. But when you're doing your, yeah, your yeah. work for all that yeah. time, you never get a chance to watch it really. No. I suppose so. it'd be nice to eliminate like little annoyances like turn up to the venue and someone stolen the HDMI cable to the yeah. projector yeah. and stuff like that. All that stuff. All yeah, that yeah. stuff. <laughs> and then you've got someone to take care of that for you. It's just stressful. It means you can make... You've got more time to spend on the bits that you wanted to be involved with in the first place, haven't you? We yeah. can turn up and concentrate on the show and do the show. Yeah, and try and enjoy it, I think, and put a shift in and um, try and, yeah, be a... Because I always loved it at the Roebuck. Um, I think just towards the end of last year, it was like, it was, it was, it was becoming difficult because the audience, it changed. Changed, the audience it, changed. It really changed and there's a lot of, it's just hard when you've been doing it for how many years, like? Well, six years weekly. Six years weekly, it. like. It's a lot of shows. Yeah. And the audience, we'd grown up, so the audience had changed, and the young people that came in those first, in those first weeks, had gone off and done their own, started doing their own shows. So that all that group that had put the energy in there uh, from the audience have all gone, mm. and we started getting, you know, middle class people coming to the pub, didn't we? Whereas before it was a whole mix. These were, they were it was an older generation of people. Had the robot changed in that time as well. The pub must the, have changed. The- the, the pub had got well known for being a really nice pub to go and have food and drinking, I suppose. And Michael had done a brilliant job at doing the I manager. We'd had, we didn't have like a mass amount of press exposure, but even just like a few little articles, I think, helped. It changed from people coming to the night and thinking, oh, I'm excited to see what happens. Let's have a good night and like 
they we all worked together, audience and performers and people who organised it to create something. Whereas I think towards the back end, it was more of like the audience were turning up and saying, oh, "I've heard this is meant to be good." Expectations yeah. had changed. Yeah, they did. They really. You know, it gets mentioned on Radio One. Oh, this is the best gig in England. Yeah. People would turn up and go, "Oh, go on, yeah, prove we'll it." it. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, "Well, that wasn't the case before. We were we were all in it together." Yeah. I'd stopped doing the comparing. I wasn't turning up to the night because I, you know, babysitting duties and things. We were all tired, and I think we. We, we were feeling one, one it. point I've made to a lot of um, people that are looking to put on nights and trying to, I don't know, raise the status of spoken word and poetry gigs in general is that if you're trying to follow the model of comedy nights and gigs, you you are then facing an audience that might not be really that bothered mm-hmm. whether um, about your feelings as a host, you know. And if you're shit, <laughs> they're going to tell you. Yeah, they yeah. might just walk out or talk over the performance and stuff. And once you start charging a decent ticket price and getting that kind of press coverage, you've got to be producing something it's good. Gotta good. It's, it's got to be good, good every time. Yeah. We did try to do that. And that's we not to tried say that you've, to you've do on that, but it's hard to keep running. We tried like, to yeah. do that. Was it? We tried to be professional and do the best gig every week and really bring it. Even if you felt like you didn't want to be there, it was dragging it through mm. to say, "Look, let's make this. Let's." Give this energy. Is the, so is the structure of the night going to change? We've just brought back... We, yeah. It's the same. We've got... Because the format works really well. We've taken it to Edinburgh. We've taken it to other places, other festivals. And it. we know every It's more route. of a question for like maybe people that have been used to coming to the robot. They might... We got rid of the oh, Golden yeah, Gun, no. but we're bringing the Golden Gun back because that was missed. Yeah. So that's the, the open mic, the open is, mic um, yeah. is back. Yeah, and that was something that people really liked, wasn't it? Made the, I didn't the, like it. Didn't you? Because yeah. <laughs> I, I lost twice. Okay. So I'd rather not talk about that. <laughs> I remember your performance though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was there when you did that. Yeah, it was great. Uh, it was anyway. good. Um, sorry, no, carry on. Uh, yeah, but that's good that you bring back an open mic um, element to it. Yeah. And we, you know, we were speaking before we we started the interview. We were talking about open mics yeah. and the difficulties of them. We, the reason we we didn't have an open mic when we started, but the reason we put an open mic in those early days was to get an audience in because mm, yeah. no one was coming. I think I mentioned that. So no, we didn't have them. So we uh, put uh, 10, 10 spots on the open mic and we, we had the tequila shot open mic spot, open mic yeah. spot where you down a tequila and you do your poem. And it was brilliant. So Martin would turn up on stage with a big frying pan of tequila. Yeah. And uh, it was fantastic. So you get a free shot. So we realised actually the, to make it a bit of a show People really enjoyed that. And then we moved, because we wanted it to, it to be the, the main bit, we moved the open mic to the end. And it got a lot of complaints, didn't it? Because what we found was the open micers would turn up and then half-time would come, they'd all leave. They'd, they'd all leave yes. And we'd lose out. So we'd be like, oh, well, we'll move it to the end. But we did make it a... It was the highlight of the show. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, when they, when it clicks. It's when it clicks. And so it, I suppose it's part of making the audience feel part of the show as well. Yeah, so it really we really worked. So we never intended of keeping the open mic, but actually it ended up being the. Mm. That was some of the some of my favourite moments were when, um, yeah, people would someone would sign up to the open mic and like be reading for the first time ever, yeah. and they'd they'd bring like seven or eight mates and like they would they would 
their friends are behind them and yeah. it's really magic and like some of the open mic nights where you where you go and like see people doing it for the first time and then people who you they never thought that they'd do it and then they you think that was a good thing or is a good thing about bang is like people don't feel intimidated by the word poetry they're like oh yeah i can if I do feel this way about something, I can write some lines about it. They don't have to rhyme. It doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to follow any kind of form. It can, but it doesn't have to. You've got to get your insides out. And that is like, and say it and say it how you mean it and give it heart and soul. And and that, and just seeing that happen for, and then it's like, it's like a book. I mean, first time I ever did a gig was at Martin's fireworks party in his back garden. And then, Dan said, oh, do you want to come and read some up? Bang, and like, just got the got the bug of going, wow, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's I remember, I remember it, because you read, <laughs> I remember laughing a lot, because you read three at, at the first bang, you read three poems, yeah. or something, and then Martin sends me, he said, oh, make sure he reads one next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now look at you. Yeah. Just, because we, <laughs> go, go back to the phrase, uh, poetry not punks. Uh, yeah. Theatre spaces can be a bit poncy, can't they? So yeah. how is there anything that you're mindful of avoiding after moving to the <clears throat> Well, we, we, we don't know how it's going to work out, but we've, we're going to try very hard to bring that anarchy into that space. Mm. There's certain things that have changed. Obviously, ticket prices mm. change, so that's going to uh, get rid of a certain type of person who might want to come because they might not be able to afford it. We're keeping the doors open. The bar's right next door to the, the theatre space so people can come and go whilst the people are on stage reading. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we're going to break down those barriers between what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do in a theatre space. Yeah. Um, I mean, that is, one, that is one problem with theatre spaces in general is the cost. And it is very exclusive, isn't it, towards... Um, yeah. Uh, but it's... I suppose it's a compromise you have to... Come to I just the hope there's enough... You know, we, Bang wouldn't have continued at the pub. No. And I just hope there's enough other nights on mm. out there that are, were doing what we were doing, you know, five, six, seven years ago that people can go to. You yeah. know, they, they don't have to come to Bang. But if they want to... We're only doing Bang once a month. People were coming regularly to Bang yeah. and it was, what, seven, eight quid at I suppose the end. That, that's one thing people... Perhaps you can't afford it. You know, you, you've got a one-off ticket price of what's what's the first gig costing? Twelve fifty, fifteen. So, so concession twelve fifty, fifteen pounds. So, yeah, so yeah. fifteen quid against um, thirty-two pound if you want to go every night in a month. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, so it does give people the chance to maybe put a couple of quid yeah. away and and go to one gig a month rather than. And instead of coming, yeah, twice a month, you just you you just come once. Yeah. You know. And I th- it, yeah, I think it's. Hopefully it'll re- reach a, a new audience of people. I mean, January, I couldn't believe it, but there's, all the tickets have been sold. And that just goes to show that I think there are, it's going to be new people who may have never been to a spoken word gig, but go to a lot of maybe stuff at the Bloomsbury Theatre. So I think it's kind of our job now to say, this is this is what a spoken word can be. Yeah. Um, and... I, it's exciting, really, to see what audience, what the audience is like, mm. and it's going to be a challenge. But that's a good, that's a good yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And on that note, I mean, is the move to a theatre space a move just for banging itself, or do you feel 
like you're trying to elevate poetry in general in London? So not really. I don't think that's our job, is it? It's well, no, not, not sorry. Yeah, not to take the lead, but just to play some part in. It's a weird one. I think people think we did just because we led on certain yeah, things. Yeah. I remember when we done the films for Channel Four and that there wasn't any poetry films around really. We ser- there was a few, wasn't there? We looked at, and we were like. It just so happened we made 15 in a short space of time. So, but now lots of people make them. And poetry's come popular in a, in a... Not because of what we were doing. It's just that we were there at the point when it was going up. We had our own ambitions to do stuff, to make a living out of it, really. We, we didn't think we were changing anything. It was just that when we were trying to do TV, we were breaking doors down to do it and now I think those doors are open a little bit or yeah. when we were doing the 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 robot there's you know certain things that were easier because we could do exactly what we wanted but there's it was harder because we we were trying to bring the audience in um I don't I don't I don't know go on what's the question again what's no no I just whether you you've made any conscious effort to play a part in trying to raise um poetry in London from the established sort of venues and take it to a, to a wider audience. You may may not have crossed your mind, and that's. Do you know what? Early on, we might I, we might have been as arrogant to think, yeah, we're going to do. I don't think we. I don't think it's we could. It's difficult, now. isn't it? Because I don't think there is any promised land of being like. Mm. It's you know that goal, always mo- girls are always moving and and um, if someone had said oh. Uh, you're gonna go do Bang at the Bloomsbury Theatre. Would be like, oh, that's that's good, and it's a new challenge. But I guess now it's like, what do we want to do? Well, we want to get it, do the studio gigs, try to make it as brilliant as possible. Mm. So then it goes into the next year, goes into the big space, and then it can be like a whacking great big party every month, and that will have a lot of exposure and like. Well, there'll be more people in there. Um, But I think at the core of it, it's just like turning up and trying to grab people by the scruff of the neck and be like, we're alive, come on. Shake them out of this uh, virtual world that's everyone sitting on on their Facebook. Partly that question is born of hearing a lot of people lamenting the fact that not enough people, the, the poetry audiences aren't as big as they'd like them to be, right? And that somehow the status needs to be raised, but I never understand what people want it raised to. I don't yeah. because if you if you're saying you want it raised to the point of a like a flaming lips gig, surely you should just go to flaming lips gig. Yeah. No, if what you want is a concert experience, go to a concert. If what yeah. you want is a theatre experience, what surely what you got to be careful what you wish for because yeah. you know comedy isn't as rich just because it's got bigger audience now. It was better when it wasn't successful in a way you know you because of the variety and i think that's what i i'm worried about oh, i'm not worried about it it's all poetry's taking care of itself forever you know it doesn't need us yeah. to look after it but it is a shame at this period in time that there is one style happening yeah uh, a lot of one yeah, style yeah, yeah. and i'm not saying there aren't other things happening but it is swamped with that and when people say oh, i like poetry and they've never been to a poetry gig. They're not talking about poetry. They're talking about George the Poet, Kate Tempest. Yes. They're talking about maybe hearing Holly McNeish on Radio 4. They're talking about these other things mm. that aren't necessarily 
poetry. Uh, they are poetry, but they're not the variety of yes, yeah. um, that I'd like. I'd like to go and watch a gig with with an array of people doing that's just them doing what they do. But there's a lot of copying of like, okay, there's that one man show, and so you, when we did, you'd know about one man shows in Edinburgh from when you started doing them to now. There's now hundreds, but there used to be like what twenty or thirty maybe yeah. going on, and now there's hundreds of one man yeah. shows. It's, it's People are choosing, you know, oh, poetry belongs in a book, so that's why books. So it, you, it, poetry belongs wherever you want it. If yeah. you want to put it on a wall, if you want to put it in an art gallery, if you want to put it in a book, if you want to do a one-man show, that's all fine. But can I bury mine in the garden? You can bury it in the garden. You can do all of that stuff, and that's the book. But if, you're, if everyone's doing a one-man show, yeah, no, you have to question, right. you think, what, what were they thinking? What Did they think that was the best vehicle for their, yeah. for their poetry? Or... Could they have done something else with it? You know, that's my thing, really. Yeah. So, time's ticking on a bit. Um, I think we'll just we'll wrap up with um, what you're both up to individually in the future. We'll start with Rob. Um, I'm writing a new book called Take Hair. Hair, right? <laughs> take hair or take care. Take hair. Yeah. Take hair. Yeah, I get it. Because people keep saying to me, take take hey. hair. What? How are you spelling that? H take and then H A I R. Yeah. And I don't know it's if it'll work or not. It? Take <laughs> hair. Does yeah. it work? What are those Michael Rosen's books where they're called Take Care? I can't remember what they're called, but when you go and ask, has he got a book called? No, he's he's got. I I can't. He's got kids' books. When you ask for them, it sounds like you ask. It sounds like. um, I think he's got one called. Have you know? Have you got this book or something? Yeah, yeah. And then so when you go for ask, they're like, "Have you got this book?" And they're like, "Yeah, what book?" Um, that sort of thing. (laughs) No, it's called. Have you got this book? So I'm doing that. I'm writing new ones with. um, uh, Burning Eye. Yeah. And. I'm also writing a new show about sleep called The Sleep Show and I'm going to do previews of that and then I'm doing a tour of my water show last year's show and I've got gigs at Soho and things like that and if people want to follow what you're up to are you on Twitter? yeah I'm on Twitter and uh, uh, Hotmail I'm on Hotmail <laughs> I'm on Hotmail um, I find it, I'm finding it hard though I did like, expect I'd... you to be on Yahoo Mate, did you? Yeah. Hot and why? I don't know. It just suits you more. What's your, you have a letter. Take you think I'm hair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have a letter. Uh, you send a letter. You have a. Oh, yeah, yes. That's it. I do, yeah, I've got a newsletter. You have a that newsletter, is, which is great. Yeah. But it's not really about news. I think it's uh, it's the thing I enjoy doing the most, mm. which is start start writing at a keyboard and just don't stop for a long time. <laughs> And then send it out to people. And um, Sounds awful, but it's good. Um, and it's just like, just trying to see where it goes, you know. Yeah. I can't and believe I've lived without it. You can do it on MailChimp. You need to sign up. Um, and if you go to roborton.co.uk, uh, Orton, A-U-T-O-N, um, .co.uk, and then sign up to the mailing list. I'm, I'm due to send one, actually. The last one was in uh, December. I invite, you know... It's a chance for me to talk about soup, my things in the supermarket. <laughs> I think a lot of people have, a, you know, going to the supermarket, there's a lot of funny stuff that happens in the supermarket. Yeah. 
Like, I, I don't think it was in the last newsletter, you know, not to give anything away, but <laughs> it'll be in the new news newsletter that was, um, you know, Kellogg's Cornflakes had a uh, special box with Father Christmas on the front. You see that? Yeah. Well, it was like an old illustration of Father Christmas. And uh, there was this lady and she had a basket and she had uh, the Kellogg's Cornflakes box with Father Christmas on it. And this little girl, I don't know if it was her kid or not, but she just got the cornflakes box and started hugging it and saying, Santa, Santa. <laughs> and it made my day. Yeah. And um, just, there was so much, there was magic everywhere. I think that's the thing, like, just walking along, I mean, I mean, yeah, we were walking here and some, there was a lady behind us saying that she shot Jimmy Cliff. I think I'd shot Jimmy yeah, Cliff. Oh, she, yeah. down of oh she said you shot Jimmy Cliff. Yeah, yeah. which lucky we had to come down this road first because I didn't fancy her <laughs> yeah. following me down the street going, you shot Jimmy Cliff yeah, and everyone getting the idea. Just stuff like that, it's kind of... It's pretty standard behaviour on the old road, though. Is it? Yeah. Uh, supermarkets, have you seen the grumpy cat in the super... Uh, oh, I saw that, yeah. It's back now, they got rid of it. Yeah. And it's just on t- sitting on top of the freezer. Oh, I Come saw on. that, I saw that. And, and it's really nary, they can't get rid of it. Yeah, wow. It's really grumpy thing. Um, check that out, grumpy cat of broccoli. Um, so yeah, Rob, uh, I'll put the links in the description of this video. Oh, please then, do, yeah. yeah. And then you can find Rob's stuff. I'll forward tweets. I think your and... your website's worth looking at anyway. I like Rob's oh, website. So. He's got he's your um, what people have said about you page. What 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 do you call it on your page? Praise and criticism. Great, yes, brilliant. It is very good. So yeah. it's worth that's worth a read. In itself, yeah, I've had a, quite a lot of uh, criticism. <laughs> criticism. Good at like praise and criticism. Like what people, if I get a review in Edinburgh, like the the bad ones are always kind of. I don't look forward to reading them, but there's some real. Sometimes some of the stuff what people say is just like, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of bad stuff. I mean, yeah, Vanessa Fox was the one where she. I was speaking to her on radio and she was like, oh, that's just sad. <laughs> so now I've got, the quote, I've got the quote that is, that's just sad, Vanessa Phelps. <laughs> oh, I think it's good as that, really. No, I'm, uh, I've got uh, a book coming out with a magnum photographer, Mark Power, which I had a gallery show in 2010 of the work. So it was sculptures, it was... Uh, sort of experiment of how you put word and images together um, and we've finally got the money to make the book so that's going to come out this year and it's got loads of fold outs and posters and the sculptures in there and um, so it's concrete poetry really mm. it's, um, so that that's really exciting that that's going to happen so it, I think it's going to be by the time it goes to print in Italy and stuff it's going to be um actually March or April time before it happens but uh, the dumb is done and it's all mocked up and it mm. looks like that's so that's really exciting because we've wait I've waited a long time to see it so yeah. hopefully it's out there um, I'm doing a project with Rob's best mate Damien Wayhill yeah um, where it came out of the t- I was I'd done a project with Tony Husband I, I, don't, I don't know if he's my best mate. Oh. I've never, he's, I've he's never a good really, mate. Never, he's a good mate. Have you never met him? I've, 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 I've never had a best mate. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm that kind of person. He went to Wait. your birthday party. 
He went to my birthday party. Or did you go to his birthday? Did you deliberately not have best friends? <laughs> or are you just so... I've just never got into it. Like, just, I don't... I don't I did, everyone's on an equal footing. Or have you just, you just done away with the idea? Well, you know what's happened. I just happened. don't think people like me enough. Since I've, since I've been doing a project with him, he's, I'm a much better friend of him <laughs> than you are. <laughs> I oh, yeah, he's a very good friend. Yeah, very good old friend. Um, but it's difficult, diff- you know... Uh, it's difficult to have friends. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was um, yeah. So I, I I'm doing a project with him because it came off. The, I'd done a project with Tony Husband where uh, I'd send him a poem and Tony Husband, the, the cartoonist, would do a cartoon of it. But I've sort of Damien Way here is a he's a would you call him an illustrator, an artist? Yeah, definitely illustrator. I and mean, he does these amazing drawings anyway. And I. So we, I'm doing a sort of connected book with him through Burning Eye, most probably, where I send him a poem and he sends back an oh, equivalent nice, yeah. as a drawing, and then I do a poem from that drawing. So we're about eight or nine illustrations in, so we're doing that. Um, and another, I'm writing the, uh, just a one by myself as well, which I'm collecting the poems together, but mm. that might be, that's another year off, really, I suppose. In your shed. In my, in my posh shed. In posh shed. So I've, I moved house because I had boys, so we moved house and, um, yeah, lucky I've got a posh shed. Yeah, I've, been, I've been following with a lot of interest your uh, shed development. I've been doing shelfies, which I kind yeah, of... Yeah, there's uh, some good books on those shelves, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, you know, those shelfies, I'm going to redo them all and I'm quite excited by the... the it's vanilla. A shelfie. You should just... Well, no, redoing them. <laughs> Re- reposing your shelf? Yeah, you don't know, because some you of the books might... Oh, no, yeah, they might move around. But yeah, no, because for... I don't know, there was a decision made maybe five or six years ago when I just said, well, when when do you get a chance to put stuff in one place? And yeah, all my... Mostly all my favourite writers would have had a place to go and sit. And I never had, Everything was done around a kitchen table with, you know, kids screaming or... And it's hard, isn't it? You mm. can't don't and so. No joking. Aside, it is important to have somewhere to go. I work. made a decision yeah. to, um, yeah, get my own space and shell. So it's the first time I've had all my books in one place, not scattered around the house. The so last time, you know, the last house, all my books were in the kids' bedroom. So instead of them having kids' books, they had like John Berger books on their table. Like, Can you read this one, Daddy? Like, yeah. But so that's brilliant. It's, I like, it, yeah, it's exciting. We had, um, Paul Bertles. Oh, oh, what's it called? The the terrifying ordeal Terrifying Ordeal is one of them. Yeah, ordeal, which is just fantastic. Yeah, he, was, he was one of the first people at Bang as well. Where that was kind of um, I remember. I remember that night. I I saw him at um, Brixton. It was the first time I saw him in the windmill there. I think me and Mark was you. Did you do? I a, don't think so. So me and Martin done a gig as Bang. I think I used to have a bass player and used to play along with me. We played the Windmill Pub and Paul Bertle was there. It must have been late 90s, maybe early 2000s, but I saw him and everyone was speaking over the top of him in this gig and I just watched Amaze. He was, he was amazing. Yeah, he's fantastic. People yeah. should check him out. It's B-I-R-T-I-L-L, Terrifying Ordeal yeah. Station. Yeah. I read one of his poems on our Christmas special. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's I like, there's one about him saving the world, but he... You can't even be bothered to take the rubbish out, so it's like it's too good. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. 
Um, so, Bang said the gun starts up again on the 28th of January. That's sold out. But I suppose if people are desperate to go, they can maybe contact the theatre, get on the reserve list. Reserve list. But you can also book all the tickets yeah, in tickets advance. So all the tickets for yeah. February, March, April, May, yeah, so all the dates are June up. are up. And, um, yeah, so you've got all the acts booked, so people know what's We haven't got all the book. acts booked, actually. We're just, we are, we're... You're just taking the money. We're just taking the money. So this month we've got who we've got Harry Baker and Selena Godden. Selena Godden, yeah, yeah great. Um, next, we don't. We've had a couple of pullouts for February, but we think we've got a really good. Uh, yeah. Got a really good lineup. If you can't, ma- if you, if all the shows sell out in October, we've got the big one, which is yeah. five hundred seats in the main space. So, which will be just bear with them. They're doing their best. Which yeah. will be you know, which will be people that we haven't had before who we want. That are yeah, uh, A-listers, I suppose. Yeah, I look forward to my call. Thank you. Brilliant. You're a bit like, <laughs> I'll get in touch with your agent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout out to all your fans. Shout out to <laughs> the Laurie Bulger. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Um, hosting the first one. Is she? Have right. you decided that? I haven't decided. Because Rob and Laurie are now the host. Yeah. We're going to be hosting it and. Peter, hey ho, who's hey, done hey. it? He does loads of. He's Prince of Penge. Yeah. All the print, the the poet the lot of Penge who does all, does all the the booking, all that hard work in the background, which is yeah amazing. Yeah. Shout out to Martin Gorton. Yeah, Martin, rude bastard. Um, and all that, all the people that supported it. Yeah, because this, um, I don't know if you remember at the start, I said this was Lunar Poetry short, so we should stop. We've become way over. I know. We get too long. The first <laughs> half's a bit dry, though. Yeah, yeah you cut, cut all that. Just yeah, goes just cut, We're just putting the last seven minutes or something. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. See you later, guys. See you at the balloons.